Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne, and I'm with interior designer Cecilia Potter, director of Atticus and Milo. Welcome to the show, Cecilia. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Cecilia, I've only come across your work in relatively recent times, and I felt a you know, a bit remiss that I hadn't known about you before, but everything I've seen I've been very impressed with. And apart from what things look like, it's the uh, the rigorous investigation you do with all your work. But I'm not surprised to hear your background. You um, started as a chemical engineer. Very odd. <laughs> well, not odd, but a very long way from design. Tell me about it. Why chemical engineering? Well, my father is actually a professor of chemical engineering and I think he would he would disagree and say that chemical engineering is all about design and he is a, a designer and a, a um inventor and um but for me I love all the discipline in fact I think we have an artificial distinction between disciplines these days in education, but in actual fact maths, chemistry, science, physics are all very strongly important and engaged in, in the design world. And um, equally, the arts and, you know, English literature, history, all those things that give resonance and meaning to design um, and politics and, you know, Mm. uh, geography, everything really influences design. So I see it really holistically and I just love learning about all subjects. And But, however, I have to say, I only did first year chemical engineering and I became starved for the other aspects, the... Creative, the more Mm. creative... Yeah. So you went on to study law arts. Yeah, so I I had a year off and um, did a bit of travelling and working and thought, what what shall I do next? And I decided to do law arts. Um, and I stuck with the law for a few years, but um, realised that it was a little bit... I, I was very passionate and a feminist, as I still am, and um, I found it very frustrating to see the case law. and um, And I felt that perhaps law would be an ultimately frustrating and difficult profession. And also it was just the incredible focus on the detail where I think I do like, I think detail is vital, but also I love to pull back and see the bigger picture. And mm. um, and I just decided, well, that's not quite right either. And I, I wasn't afraid to change again. So I was studying with the law, history and philosophy, which I really loved. And so I continued on with an arts degree in the end. And um, so that was my first. And then went on to become a stockbroker. So then, yeah, I worked in consulting um, with what's now called Accenture, developing computer systems, working with big companies like Telstra and um, hospitals and all sorts of things, designing computer systems. So again, there was that element Mm. of creativity, but very business focused. And then went into stockbroking because that was a client I'd been working for. I ended up being their marketing manager for retail, and I did enjoy all of that. But I had an epiphany when I was um, working at JB Weir, and I went travelling to Africa, and I was in the midst of this beautiful, like a the most exquisite natural garden of the um, Okavango Delta, and all of a sudden I had been considering doing a MBA or a Master's of Marketing, but as I sat in a Macoro in the Okavango Delta, I thought, what have I done with my life? This is what thrills me and excites me and motivates me, which is beauty and and the history. Everything about that, that environment was awe-inspiring. Wilderness inspires yeah. me. And so I just thought, I'm going to go back, resign, and 
go, go into design. And so that's how I ended up going into design, went back to RMIT and so did you... design there and then um, sort of went into the business and have continued to have a passionate interest in it ever since. So for me, it's a career that I could see I could do for 100 years or more. There's always something to learn. Um, it's really exciting. How do you start a business? I mean, you graduated from RMIT. Uh, um, and then how do you just... Did you start working for other people or you just thought, I want to start out on my own? I think because I'd worked in business for quite some time before that, I I kind of had a, a, a yearning to perhaps have my own business. But in many ways, I don't think that's the best way. I think I should have actually gone and, and worked with some... Um, you know, leading figures and had that sort of learning experience because I had to learn, you know, by trial and error. If you start up your own business, you really have to learn a heck of a lot. And, um, yeah, exactly. And so perhaps it's not the best way of doing it, but it was more accidental than anything else. I was, um, just asked to do work and from there it all sort of. What was your kept first going. job, Cecilia? Uh, actually, the first, the very first one was really for a friend doing more, setting up her house for sale. But then there was some um, interiors in the second one, I think, was in Malvern, just a fun job doing interiors. And, yeah. you know, I look back, that's a long time ago now, but I feel like I've learnt so much along the way and yeah. it's it's fun. Um, Cecilia, you've done interesting work along the way. You've, you've, I mean, it's hard to pinpoint the type of work you do. Predominantly, I'd say residential, but then you do the smattering of commercial work. One of the jobs I recently looked at, which I was very impressed, and maybe it's a good starting point because it's fresh in my memory, was the uh, uh, Leonard Joel renovation, front of house. Oh, that really impressed me. I, I learned new things on that. I mean, I just walked in. It was the stories and the way you approach it. Tell me a little bit about how that evolved, that process. Um, Lena Joel was a really exciting and is an exciting project to work on because we're still moving through to later phases. Um, but it excited me for a whole range of reasons. And one of them is that it's a fabulous company with a, a director who's really committed to um, the, the, the ethos of the company, which really appeals to me. Also because it's totally design-centric in itself. I mean, they're, what they're selling is all sorts of amazing and interesting... They're an auction house. Yeah, product in the auctions. So, you know, it's exciting even just to be there and see the various um, show, you know, uh, auctions on the catalogues on display. But more more than that, there was this incredible um, simpatico between Leonard Joel, the firm, and the building itself that they're in, which is an 1873 heritage-listed Gothic Victorian schoolhouse, which was the first uh, schoolhouse built as a response to Victoria's Free, Secular and Compulsory Education Act of 1872. And what I, I had always known that Victoria had led the world in pioneering free education for the people... And that, you know, UK, all sorts of other Western countries followed us. So when I saw that we were in the very home of that, um, you know, the very first school that was built for that, I found that in itself a really exciting fact. And I also saw that there was a great resonance between the business of an auction house, 
which is all about research and learning about collections and understanding mm. all the heritage behind a piece um, and also the the whole purpose of a school. So if you think about it, it was just a marriage made in heaven, I think, for Leonard Joel to be in that beautiful building. Mm. And so what we wanted to do there was to celebrate all of that in the refurb as well as obviously looking at practical aspects as in um, developing a much better welcome at the door and a much better flow with the cashier and so on. So all those practical things were considered, but it was really um, we wanted to be very expressive of that wonderful um, marriage between Leonard Joel and the Gothic Victorian schoolhouse. Um, Cecilia, you're also very conscious of the fact that it is a heritage building and it's one of the few cases I think I've seen where you've laid the timber over the orig- the new timber over the original uh, staircase, the treads of the staircase, and so there's still that reading of history and yes. that was beautifully handled, I thought. Yeah, because when it actually had some, you know, um, bit tatty carpet on it and when we pulled that up we were wondering what we'd see, but we actually found old floorboard or plank style treads and they were absolutely beautiful with Mm. some they wouldn't have been the original but they would have been done quite some time ago and they had all the patina and um, marks of age and wear and tear and uh, and certainly they were there when it was a school so we felt they weren't practical obviously in a commercial environment but they were utterly beautiful and the best way to protect them was actually to just carefully cover them so that they're there for posterity, and um, and then the client can use the staircase in commercial. Um, Cecilia, are you comfortable about talking about your own house, or is it? Sure, sure. It's it's a wonderful uh, uh, pile in <laughs> Melbourne. It's beautiful. It's got a um, it's a Victorian uh, boom style. Uh, quite a fascinating building, and Victorian buildings can get quite stuffy. And mm. often, you walk into a Victorian house, you know, period furniture, um, big heavy curtains, I dark colours, dark colours. And I know, you know, it's fine if it's a museum, but you know, you've really made it into a great family home. Sense of fun, spontaneity. Yeah. How do you start working with something of that scale to make it livable? Because it is a family home. That one, I, I suppose, obviously, because it's your own home, it was a really wonderful experience. It had to be done very quickly because we moved just before my elder son was going into year 11 and I really wanted to pretty much do a renovation over the summer, something I'd never advise a client to do. And, um, I to had, do it quickly. Yeah, exactly. I had two builders there, you know, one on the top floor, one on the bottom, etc. But, But then again, um, I was able to know and answer queries you know on the spot there's no you don't have to have that communication with the client which can take longer and mainly actually it was just a joyful experience because our whole family um, love heritage buildings love history actually we're all really fascinated with history and so the two my two sons just immediately fell in love with that house when we went there. So it was a kind of an accidental purchase. We weren't looking particularly for that, but we all just fell in love with its aging but rather delightful like a an old grandmother we all hmm. thought. We felt that was the character of this home called Hunting Tower. And it had a beautiful rambling, somewhat unfortunately run down by the drought garden, which 
just made me feel like I was in the country. And, of course, it's not far from the Yarra River. So, again, you can stroll down there with the gum trees and the wattle and the birds and feel that you could be, you know, miles away in the most beautiful Australian bush. So there was just something that really went to the heart of our family and I wanted it to be a haven and a nest for our family and for all our friends and mm. I come from a very large family so we can have up to sort of 50, 60 people for Christmas lunch. And you use the dining room like a breakfast room. Exactly. It's all. I wanted it to be casual, informal, fun, pops of colour but mainly also it just tells the story of our family and the, at the places we've travelled that have really been meaningful to us and uh, art that we've collected that often we've chosen the four of us, you know. Mm. So there's pieces of art that um, one was Jan Senberg's um, Otways and Old World Memories and I took my elder son to his show just after we got back from Venice and for a family trip and I really just wanted to show him some of Senberg's, those beautiful aerial maps of, you know, stylized and fantasized aerial maps, which I knew Jasper would really love. But when we got there, we all just fell in love with this painting because it had both memories of um, Europe and Venice and Rome and so on. But then the right-hand side is all the view down the Great Ocean Road, which is where we go to the beach and have that see that same view. And it just, you know, means so much to us. <laughs> so what I did there was I put a fractured mirrors that I got from a junk shop, four of them, bunched them up together opposite that painting so that every day when we sit there and have breakfast or dinner, whatever, everybody can see it. And we all talk about that. And people like the fractured version as much as they like the actual version. So um, it was really about speaking to our family and what we care about. And um, I remember you were telling me your one of your sons heard a developer on the tower, oh, and the tower yes. saying, do you think heritage authorities will allow us to knock it down? <laughs> and I think it sent shockwaves through his system. And I think it sums up the family's feeling about heritage. Yeah, definitely. That was Cyrus, actually, who does want to study um, architecture or industrial design, and he loves our heritage and also contemporary architecture and so on. But he was only about 12 at the time, and he just said, Mum, I can't believe that man would think of smashing this down because it's all got the most original patina and materials and finishes and beautiful old tiles. Mm. You know, maybe they're cracking a bit, but they're just divine. Do you think, Cecilia, people... Uh, I mean, I, I think that rich patina and that cracking, and I think that's all just so wonderful now when you see it in houses. Is it something that's coming back that people are starting to appreciate, or are you finding the clients that you have still have this idea that interiors should be perfect? And it uh, must well, be something to... It must be a little bit challenging to get across the line with some clients, I imagine. I'm desperately trying to keep attracting clients who don't want that that plas- what I call plastic perfection, which I really abhor. And I think it doesn't make humans happy. You know, shiny, plasticky, fake stones and, you mm. know, and also cold, um, you know, boring interiors, also, particularly just that beigey boring. Or mm. I- I've really got a, a passionate view that there are still too many people in in our country and perhaps in the West who, when they're thinking about designing their homes, they're worrying more about when when they sell it in five, ten, whatever years' time that it won't offend anybody and they're worrying less about 
their own personal joy and experience of life living and sharing that house with their family and friends, which, I mean, to me, it's so obvious which should be the impetus for your design. And the impetus should be about the people who are going to experience that space and something emotional and something that inspires them in some way. And usually that is a a sense of genuinely telling the story of the people. That's what really engages people. And, you know, I think I sometimes feel I can almost cry when I see a real estate advertising periodical or whatever Mm. and you flick through these soulless Oh, they're all homes. The I just, they make the me sad. The gardens look the same. The houses look the same. There's the, you know, really lacquered timber floors and the couch <laughs> where there's nothing there. Yeah. No people there. I feel the same. And, and they're told to take the personality out to sell, aren't they? They're yeah. told to take photographs out and, you know, yeah. but I that's think that's sad. a false, there's something wrong yeah. if people. Do you think things are changing? Or is... Well, I do think they are. I mean, we have got some delightful clients who really work, wanted to be expressive and, you know, they're the people I love to work with. That, uh, the job we did, Swinging 70s, was with a really lovely, very confident, warm, friendly family. And um, they really wanted to express not only the wonderful 70s architecture that was there by Gordon Cote Williams, but also something about their family and their um, zest for life and their love of art because my client, um, her mother was an artist and, you know, one of the beautiful paintings there that she hung above the bed is by her mother and it's called Aviator Girls, the most divine painting and the whole room sings when that painting went up. So I think... The more people who actually seek joy and emotion and, and aren't afraid of punches mm. of colour and, and it doesn't have movement. to be recent. It doesn't have to be tasteful. This no. Idea, this, this idea of tasteful. Tasteful is boring. Yeah, you well, know? I always said that I'd rather have no taste. Uh, I'm bad taste than no taste. Exactly. See, that's showing personality. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been into many, many homes where... It's not at all perhaps the style I would love, but I act, I feel fabulous there because it's so expressive of the mm. people who live there. And that's what I want to see and feel. And you don't feel anything except mm. a sort of terrible nothingness if you go into those bland, boring homes. Cecilia, I think um, I could talk to you endlessly <laughs> about some of your projects. Um, what's something that's coming up that you're excited about? Is there? Um, there's a few things actually. There's there's a pavilion extension in Hawthorne that we've just pretty much finishing up, and I really love it because, in fact, just today I was mm. talking with the builder on site about a really sculptural steel timber, like black butt and marble. Um, it's like a room divider bookshelf we've done mm. that he's in the middle of building and we're just refining all the, the final details. But, you know, it's just, I love the feel of it. It was south facing and a very steep drop to the garden. And mm. I'm all about engagement with the garden and landscape. And, you know, I feel nobody wants to live in a box without views. Mm. And I don't think, and this was a family home, and I really felt it needed to be uh, you needed better mediation between the high house and the garden. So we did a sort of staging of of levels. Terraces. Almost, almost terracing of the house and then the actual decking and the mm. pool and so on so that it sort of circulates around up and down so that there's no big steep flights of stairs that tend to put people off um, 
you know, moving out into these other spaces. And also we pushed the pavilion to the to the rear of the block so that we could um, bring in through a clerestory north-facing light. And and it's just a beautiful, very light... I feel like it really uh, responds beautifully to the original um, Kaobung architecture. And, and I think it's a wonderful family home. We've done really beautiful bespoke joinery with gorgeous handle details, and it's got a very craft feel... Um, Beautiful uh, work by our builder, Alastair. And so I'm really excited to see that. It's just sort of finishing up and getting some furniture in and so on, but I'm really mm. loving seeing that come to fruition. And, um, yeah, it's a beautiful piece of the, both the architecture and the interior design and decor, I think, make it feel really gorgeous. Any... Um when, you, when you're working, do you ever think, oh, that I'm so glad I did chemical engineering... <laughs> Is there something that you take from that chemical engineering phase that you think, I'm so glad I studied it, even if it was only for a year? I think so, because I I don't ever regret studying anything. I just love to read. I read a lot about physics these days, and I feel that informs design immensely. Um, So with ChemInge, I suppose it's a lot of it is simple things, like just understanding the properties of all the different stones that we deal with. It can be as simple as that, understanding you know, the differences between granites and, you know, more permeable stones like your limestones. And, but it's also just, to me, it's about um, the whole language of creation in the universe involves everything. It's like, you know, when I'm in the bush, I just was in Central Australia hiking and, you know, I was just blown away with these ancient millions of years old boulders that, you know, the, um, the olgas, which are called now... The new name. I keep Uluru? forgetting. No, the no. new the Olgas are the. There's a new name, but yeah. I'm still remembering it from the seventies. But you know, I was just completely blown away. And when we're in an environment like that, we're thinking about how that formed and the geology of it and the um, the amazing passage of time. And and if you're in a site anywhere, a client, there's always this history that that that's what entrances me. And I think most designers, that's really what drives them is. A whole lot of things. It's not just um, what things single, look like. singular. Yeah. Look, Cecilia, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. <laughs> Thank uh, you. I'm so glad I discovered you, even though you've been discovered by many others in in the last um, few years. Uh, it really is a treat seeing your work and hearing you talk about design because interior design is a very complex area and it's really generally presented in the media in a fairly average way. So <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, you've been with Stephen Crafty, Talking Design at RMIT University of Melbourne. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks. That was, that was fun.